This week on the My Love of Golf podcast, we talk to a young man who loves his golf, Chase Blair. Now, if that name's familiar and you love your NRL, you'll remember Chase from his time at the Parramatta Eels, the Manly Seagulls, and most recently, the all-conquering Melbourne Storm outfit. Now, I know Chase as a fun-loving family man, spent the last few years in Melbourne, and someone who I got to know who loves his golf. So just before he jetted off to go and ply his trade in England with the Castleford Tigers, I caught up with Chase for the game of golf that I'd promised him for a while at my home course, and before that we sat down and had a chat. It was really great to get an insight into Chase's journey in the NRL, why he loves his golf, how it came about, and what his hopes for the future are. He's a young man with a young family who, chasing his dreams like everyone, has jetted off to a new part of the world for new experiences and I'm confident that he'll do a great job for the Castleford Tigers. So if you're a Tigers fan over there in the UK listening to this, this is a great way to get a little bit of an insight into Chase. If you're an NRL fan or just a sports fan in general, another great story about a young man who loves his golf, loves his sport and is doing it to the best of his ability. So sit back, relax, enjoy our chat with Chase. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate the support and the feedback. Keep leaving me some reviews on iTunes, Instagram. The Roscoe and Rocket podcast is still going through the roof, so there's more Roscoe and Rocket coming. Once again, appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the chat with Chase. Welcome to the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks for joining us here today, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having me and um, looking forward to a good game of golf today. So let's talk about uh, the good game of golf today in preparation for that. And we'll get you down onto the range and get you warmed up and loosened up uh, shortly. But you're down here at uh, the Peninsula Kingswood Country Golf Club. First visit. What are your thoughts? Driving in. Uh, Beautiful, mate. Um, I've seen the... Seen the bit of excavation work going on at the front, but um, after that it was green and lush. And uh, yeah, have you have you? What are your expectations of a course like this? So obviously, a fair bit of work's gone on here, and uh, if you're reading a bit of golf uh, material at the moment, it's pretty hard to go past uh, seeing the beautiful pictures that have been taken recently by Caddy Magazine and, and Gary Lisbon. Any expectations? Yeah, we're playing. No, yeah, we're, we're playing the North Course, mate. It's tough. I've spoken to um, you know, I've spoken to people that have played here, and they said, uh, you know, great opportunity, and it's a you know, it's a very very nice course. Um, not a lot of people get to play here, um, so that's something I'm looking forward to. Um, I've noticed in pictures that uh, there's a lot of sand, so I'll be doing my best to stay out of them. So, mate, I guess the reason why why we are here is it's great to catch up with you, but you know, for me personally, on a, on a well, it's not a sad note, but it's a happy note as well that you're leaving us. Yeah, mate. Um, opportunities come up to you know go play, extend my football career in um, in England. Um, and I was obviously with the Storm for the last four years, and you know still had another year to go on top of this one. But um, you know, Castleford Tigers uh, offered a four year deal, and 
um, looking forward for my, to, to help my family in uh, you know to support, to support them and um, you know better my football career and obviously get to see the other side of the world too so that's a that was a big um, point of my decision as well you know going living over there and having my kids uh, grow up on, in England um, that's the uh, reason I'm heading over there having your kids growing up in England <laughs> well Mate. they uh, you know they obviously gr- they've grown up in Melbourne so um, Melbourne's probably a little bit warmer but um, I know England's I've heard stories about how cold it is and how miserable it is but um, that's something I'll have to get used to as we as we mentioned the other day, mate, I think it's a just on a life experience. It'll it, it'll it'll be a great move. It's a interesting and unique country, and you know it's the rest of the world's just an hour away on a plane. So, you know, I'm sure you'll get to uh, experience a lot of that. But you know, importantly, you know, be lining up with a, a brand new team, a brand new bunch of guys. From everything that I've read, that they're super excited and. You know, keen to get you across there ASAP. What's uh, what's the hold up? That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm, you know, I've I've been getting frustrated. I know I've been catching up with a lot of a lot of mates here before I leave and playing a bit of golf. But um, you know, I want to get over there and just play football. And um, the hold up's been my visa's passport. So I didn't realise um, this is, this has been my first ever long flight to a different country, and I didn't realise all this visa passport stuff takes its time. Um, obviously, we had a long weekend last week four day weekend so I'd say that would have put it on hold a little bit because no one worked in Australia and obviously today's a public holiday as well being Anzac Day so it's fairly it's fairly recent you know this transition from the storm and to the Castle Tigers what sort of length of time did it it take to do a deal with Castleford to to get across yeah I heard there was interest um, about probably two months ago two two and a half months ago and I sort of didn't um take interest of it um, I sort of already, already told had told Melbourne I wanted to stay and um, and that, that sort of interest kept building and building and I sort of said spoke to my management group and said oh what's going on and you know what are they talking about and is, is there interest in there or was it just the media and it actually was and yeah, they were keen and I spoke to I spoke to their captain spoke to their their coach and they were really excited and they said some kind words about me so that's what and that actually, um, you know, got me excited. Actually, you know, maybe put pen to paper, and um, obviously you have to be signed with the club by June 30 if you're going to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and pl- also, they're 12 rounds in over there already, so they're about f- five to six rounds ahead of us in the NRL. So something had to be done really quick, and I think with all in a week, I made my decision and yeah, chose to take the option up. Beautiful. Do you know much about Castlewood? The town, the players, the team, the club. I've heard I've heard really good things about the about the club, about the players, about the team, uh, the family. What were they? What were they like? You know, yeah, they were a bit moving, um, moving to Yorkshire. They were a bit how you going at, at the start, uh, especially having to move, having moved two children over there. But in them being so young, um, wasn't really a big drama. Yep. Um, Tammy, she, she's got she has friends over there that um, recent players that I've played with or other teams and stuff like that. So um, that will help her, um, but also just yeah, I suppose moving to the other side of the country and taking up an opportunity that not everyone gets. Yeah, they'll look after you, I'm sure. I oh, I'd say they would. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Bloody superstar, mate. <laughs> so 
last couple of years at the Storm, but take us back to where the football and, and when, for the people listening to this, when we talk football, we're talking NRL, we're talking rugby league. Not rugby union, rugby league, it is a different game. And when we talk football, we're not talking Aussie rules <laughs> footy. Um, or soccer. Or soccer. But we all call it football or footy. But take us back to the start of your footy career. You're a New South Welshman, just. Yeah, so I obviously got thrown into football as a young age. I sort of, knowing my parents were pros, I sort of wish I took up golf, but nah, that's, that's, I shouldn't say that. Um, yeah, so I obviously played football all my young age and played junior reps, played through school and all that sort of stuff. Signed with East as a young fella. Um, I was pretty privileged privilege there. They flew me they flew me down every weekend through school to play footy and flew me home, year 11 or 12. So not every kid got to do that. Um, then signed a deal with Parramatta at two years there and two years of first grade. Um, <coughs> not, not the best start of my career, uh, NRL career. I had two wooden spoons my first two years. It was a tough time at the Eels back then. Um, but in saying that, I was still playing football and having fun. Um, and then, uh, yeah, signed a two-year deal with Manly. Um, played my, had my first semi-final experience in 2014. Um, and then 2015 wasn't too good there. Done, I done, had a big disbulge in me back and was out for about 12 weeks. Um, so that put me on hold and obviously a big injury they didn't want to re-sign me. So come down here and come to Melbourne and met Craig Bellamy and um, he said they wanted to take a punt on me and so I come down here I would say I was in the best shape I come down and sort of broke down straight away in the pre-season and put me on the back foot straight away but got my opportunity around 10 and stayed there ever since Let's go back to the Eels then across to the Sea Eagles probably one of the bigger rivalries in Sydney in the NRL competition what was it like transferring between from the Eels to the, the Sea Eagles, you know, the, the western suburbs over to the, what they call the Silver Tails. Did the fans embrace you? Did they just jump straight on or? Yeah, they did. Um, always, you always, always hear stories about Manly supporters, how they don't leave the, they don't leave the bridge. They don't, they, don't, <laughs> they don't cross the bridge and, um, no, they, they, they embraced me and one, one big decision for me to go, leave Parramatta was, you know, to play with, with the likes of Jamie Lyon and Steve Maddai and, you know, Kieran Four and Daly Jervins and stuff like that. So that was a big decision for me to leave. But um, obviously Manly is a great part of the world too. So, And I've grown up on the Gold Coast um, near the beach. It's something I wanted to do yep. being, from being out west at Parramatta. And Jamie Lyon, big golfer, did he uh, did he get you out in a few nice courses? Yeah, yeah I played a few times with him. Um, he was a member at uh, Monavale and, and Wakefield. Uh, Wakehurst? Wakehurst, yeah. So we played there a few times and yeah, he was off. I think he got down to about six um, when I was playing with him, so I'm not sure what he's doing now. I think he's living up at Lennox Head somewhere. I think I saw that he was trying to get involved in some golf travel business at some stage, maybe. I, I could be wrong, but anyway. So I moved to Melbourne. Was that a shock? Yeah, moving from Sydney to Melbourne. I remember when I moved to from Sydney to Melbourne, it was, for me, it was a really positive transition. I liked the place. I liked the, I didn't mind the climate. Obviously, grows on you. But I liked the culture of the city. Um, more so than I did in, in Sydney, nothing against Sydney much. Um, how did that go for you moving to Melbourne? Because it's different to Sydney. Um, yeah, at the time we, we'd only just had a newborn, so Billy was only uh, one month old, so that was a big decision to come down. He come down here as you know, pretty much a newborn, and the decision um, to move this. I've loved the city. Mm. Um, 
I'm still getting used to the cold. I swear every year I've been here, it's gotten colder and colder every winter. Um, Tammy, my partner, she's she's loved it. She's a big coffee drinker. She, you know, she knows every cafe or good cafe around Melbourne, and um, she loved it too. But um, yeah, so positive. Um, the storm got some good players and good people around you over the journey. What's that been like? Yeah, really good. Um, that was one, you know, one of the big decisions to come down here. Obviously, being coached by Craig Bellamy and, and what he does to players that you know, sort of on the cuff or the fringe is it, of other clubs. And is it true? Is it is a fact that you know when you say what he does to players, you know, he, he seems to have this yeah. It's just got something about him that, that, that sort of just it gives you a spark, and you just know that what what he says it just gets through to every player, and they can go out there and do their job. And he, and he, and he also doesn't he doesn't give you. Um, big tasks to do like he just wants you to go out there and, and do your job not not go out there and um, be a freak or make the big play just go out there and do your job and mm. just be better than your opposite number so that seems to be like a big part of the storm culture and system is to you know er- everyone is very well versed and drilled on their job so obviously to hear you say that makes sense does Craig Bellamy as a leader is he you know, does he let you do your own thing? Is he in your ear all the time, or you know, how, what is? No, he's pretty, you're at the training. Yeah, uh, the training track, and he's obviously directing the show. But you know, is he? Yeah, he's pretty chilled. Like, even on the training track, he's not really doing much. A lot of his assistants do that most of that. He'll just come in when he sees something bad or, yeah. or good, and he'll just watch most mostly his watch training. You know, he's a he's a hard coach. He bloody he watches a lot of video. Like he's a for a person that. Um, as coach a long time he still watches a lot of footy mm. which is probably a big rap to him and why he's you know why he's so good so now this, the storm are, you know once again if you're listening to this from different parts of the world or in australia you know the storm as an nrl outfit based in melbourne which is afl australian football league centric has done phenomenally well and they've got a great following you know how many people to the storm drag to your know, home games. Uh, yeah, the last previous years through the finals time, they've selling the stadium out. So, so you know, the 30,000 um, 30, people at Amy Park. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, it's it's quite phenomenal, and the success that they've had down here as a as an NRL outfit away from you know the key market Sydney and, and Brisbane has been phenomenal. Yeah, you, know, you were part of the team and the squad for the, a couple of those years. Let's go to 2016, the grand final. So it wasn't the game that the Storm won. I think there was a, a, a goal kick in it. Yeah, what was it 14, 16, 14, 12? Yeah, something like that, 16, 12. So it was a kick, a kick or so in it. But I'm sure the people listening would love to hear what it's like as a professional sportsman getting prepared for the biggest game of the year. What does that week look like, mate? It's actually um, yeah, the board up's really good. It's um, it's fun. Uh, a lot of, there's a lot of media. Uh, you probably don't do as much training as what you would in a in a week before any other game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of media commitments, footy shows, and stuff like that. And the the clubs always try to spread that uh, individually between obviously the you know the big three or the, the bigger players will do probably a lot more than myself or um, so. But um, yeah, everyone's got a role to play through the week. It's something you have to do through the NRL and. Um, yeah, so when that sort of takes your takes your head off. Actually, thinking oh, I've got a grand final on the weekend mm-hmm. coming up, so which is a, it can be a good thing, but it can be a bad thing as well. But um, yeah, I, I embrace it really well. I um, 
I was relaxed. I was probably the most relaxed I've been in other ga- any other game. I, was, I might have been a bit, m- bit more nervous in the semi-finals. Um, but, um, yeah, waiting for that. You know, Smithy being a person that's been there that many times, he you know pulled everyone in, f- f- people that haven't played the game, played the GF. He said, you know, you can't hear anything out there. The crowd is just that loud and... Um, you just got to try and do your do your role as good as you can because, you know, when someone tries to relay a call to you, you can't hear it anyway. So, sort of just got to fall into play and do the best you can. So we spoke about uh, Craig Bellamy, uh, the coach being a leader. You mentioned Smithy. Cameron Smith has played how many games? Three hundred. Three hundred eighty-five. I think. Three hundred. Yeah, ten, ten to fifteen to go to break the four hundred record. 10 to 15 to go to break the 400 game record of rugby league. Now I played rugby league as a kid and uh, I wasn't very good at it. No, I was okay at it actually, but uh, it's a tough, hard game. How does he do, how does he play close to 400 games? I really don't know because the position that he plays in the middle, he plays 80 minutes. He's just getting hit Every from person runs at him um, and he's still so good at it. I don't know how he's done it. He's done origin. So if he had, his, if he had his, his career games up, he would have played over 500 games. Um, but, yeah, to do what he does, I, I just don't know how he does it. Is he a big part of the team uh, dynamic and building everyone up week in, week out? Yeah, definitely, especially when it's come to these big games because um, he's done it so many times. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the young fellas look to him to, to say what, what he does and um, you know how he gets himself ready for a, for a game. Okay, so... The disappointment of losing a grand final, I think that's pretty obvious, but, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you move on from that sort of thing, you know, like? Um, yeah, so we just, obviously, obviously we had a review after the grand final and um, we sort of come up with a thing there after, um, get better or get beaten. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a thing that, you know, to come back, be better. You got obviously then it all gets better and better every year. Every team gets better and better every year. So if we only just lost, then we need to be better again the year after. So that everyone sort of had that mentality. When we come back to preseason, is just try and be the best you can and better your game. Was it the next year you, you had that uh, injury? Yeah. So 2017, played the first about 12 games. Um, had a little stress fracture in my ankle. Um, I was told by the surgeon um, I'll get two p- pins put across and that could see me through the end of the year. Um, and he said that uh, in about two, three weeks after I got the first surgery, I could be start back playing. So that's what I did. Start back in and played Parramatta in Melbourne. First 10 minutes, just heard crack, broke the whole way through. Um, and then so I had, op- had the option of, to go get it fully done and had a full Rico. So that put me out for almost nine months, you know, yeah. like the rest of the year anyway. And I was a bit disappointed because, you know, I started the first, so I started the half of the year, first year, and then yeah. they went on to win the GF. So that was, that was even, that was probably even a little bit harder yeah. than the, losing the round final year yeah. before. But, Absolutely. Um, you know, that just shows what the Melbourne mentality is. If someone gets injured, um, the next person stands up and um, they can go on to win the comp. So, mate, in the locker room at the Storm, Good fun bunch of boys. Yeah, great bunch of blokes. A lot of young fellas now. Yeah. Um, previous years, obviously, we've had Cooper and um, Slats, and Slats obviously retired last year, and Smithy's the only one, Smithy and Jesse, the only oldie ones holding it down. But, um, 
you know, a lot of young fellas and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of boys have fun and a lot of them actually love playing golf actually. So, mm-hmm. and we all get out, a lot of us get out for a hack and, so you know, who, who are the go- who are the golfers in the bo- in the group? Um, we got me, uh, Christian Welsh, Cameron Munster, uh, Joe Stimson, um, Ryan Pappenhausen, and then one of our trainers, Hal, um, a gym coach. He lo- he loves he loves the game every now and then too. So we get out for a bash whenever we can, and um, always uh, fight about the bragging rights. Who gets the bragging rights? So there's a fair bit of banter. Always. Um. Is Munster in everyone's ear while you're playing golf like he is? Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's exact same. The person you see on the field is the person you see as a normal person in the street. That's him. He's a funny. He's a funny guy. He's yeah. left-handed playing golf. Well, I'm actually I'm actually staying at his house right now. Um, obviously, this moves um, has delayed a little bit, but I've moved out of my apartment, uh, putting it up for rent. So I'm actually sleeping on his couch at his house at the moment. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll be kind to the, the Munster. Um, is he any good as a golfer? He's a long way for a left-hander, um, but a little bit inconsistent. And he, uh, if, if he hits a bad shot, he's one of those players that lets it get to his head, but um, he's a long, hits it a long way. He hits it further than me. Now, I'm going to tip that you've, you're the best golfer because you come from the best golfing pedigree in the, in the squad. Who's, who's next best? What about, uh, what about the big unit, Welshie? You'll be listening to this, so yeah. Yeah, no, nah, I, I can't give good, I can't give a rap to Welsh. Um, <laughs> I'd say I'd say probably say Munsters is uh, he's come a long way. But I mean, not long ago we actually played and he was shooting cricket scores. Okay, but um, he actually beat me uh, late last week at um, at the Heritage. I had three I had three out of a bunker on the last to lose, and he ended up beating me by one. And I haven't heard the end of it. Yeah, I bet. What was on the line? Any, you know, did you have to buy anything? Uh, well, it's pretty much just bragging rights, I suppose, because they're all f- now that I'm leaving. You know, some of the boys have said to me, oh, "It's not a good thing you're leaving," but it sort of is because we've all we've all amped the uh, competition up for to take out round one, uh, take up top spot. Well, I just hope that they, um, and I'm sure they will keep their golf culture going because you know I love talking to the boys about golf. I love seeing them play their golf and I don't care how, who's good or not. You know, as long as the guys are enjoying it and getting out there and doing it, that's the important thing to someone like me. Um, you know, Welsh and Stimo have both invested uh, some serious coin in some serious equipment and they're pretty passionate about it. So boys, keep at it. And, uh, you know, you could challenge for the title now that the big man is, uh, mm. is moving on. Good luck. Now I talked about that pedigree. How did you get into golf? I don't know. I've just, I've just loved it ever since I've known about it. To be honest, and obviously, growing up as a young kid, my both my parents were pros, and um, dad was a head greenskeeper at Turner Lakes Country Club for you know, twenty years, I suppose. And um, I just love following, following both around. I used to go up, as a young fellow, used to go up, just never play, but just drove the carts and just loves doing stuff like that and sort of as I got a little bit older sort of picking the game up and playing a lot more and and then obviously I was you know when I was 15, 16 I was away all the time playing footy so I didn't get that much time to play golf but um, it's sort of just been in my blood that every time every, every time I've had a day off I'd sort of find the golfers of each club I've been at and going out for a hit. So your parents, as a young fella, didn't push you towards the game. They didn't, you know, whack you out there with the club in your hand. And say, I, I, I can still remember the. Um, well, I had nothing really to do with golf. They sort of have sat me down one day and 
said, what sport do you want to play? Do you want to play soccer? Do you want to play rugby league? And I, s- I chose rugby league, but there was never an option to play golf. I'm not sure if they didn't want to push me into that or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I just sort of, I chose rugby league and I was just, that's, that's why I'm playing the, that game now and not golf. As a, as a golfer and as a professional sportsman, you know, is there anything in the mental side of the game that you, know, you draw parallels to? Is there anything that you bring from your footy experience in the way that you approach your golf? No, I'm just trying to be as good as I can be. Yeah. I'm just trying to play as good as I can be. I can obviously every now and then I have a shank or something like that, but every now and then you drop the ball too. So um, you know, I, just, you know, I just love the game because it's so fun. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I want to be like competitive. I'd always love to shoot low rounds and stuff like that, but I just love it because it's fun. What's the uh, what's the lowest you've been? Uh, I think my GA hit at the moment is about thirteen point six. Okay. Obviously, um, slopes and that will change that. Yeah. I played the Heritage. I don't hand in, I don't hand that many cards in because I'm the only one for GA. Um, uh, they played the Heritage last week. It was about six, it was sixteen. So. Yeah. So 13, yeah, that, to me that's usually someone who probably has quite a few pars but probably then just throws in maybe a couple of double bogeys or, yep, you know, that yep. three out of the bunker there yeah. occasionally. Yeah, or a three-putt. So what would it take then as a golfer for you to get from, you know, let's say the next break point for me is that single digits and that's probably where anyone who's playing at around 13, 14 wants to get the single digits. Oh, I'd say probably just um, probably having to be a member somewhere and, and just playing that same course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think knowing your course and you've played a few more times you just know every club to hit and where you got to hit it mm-hmm. um, whereas I you know I play wherever course I can get on and it changes obviously and I don't know the course and I'll just try and hit it wherever and flog it and that's sort of way it's where you get stuck um, I spoke to a, a pro the other day at the, at the Heritage Michael and he sort of gave me a message after he sort of said because I'm sort of like this wants to get up and hit the ball mm. he said if you just slow your think about where you got to hit it and think about like see the ball hit the ball not just get up and flog it so visualisation of the shot I'll try that today I'll see yeah, how okay. we go well, there'll be a lot of uh, now that I'm walking I'm, I usually don't walk so I'm usually you, a cart man so we'll see how we go so the cart man that, that is because you need to or, is that a club rule or your rule you know like no, that's just, just more, stay legs or yeah more in the season and obviously pre-season pre-season is too hard to run yeah because we're doing so much running but in the season it's just so you don't not a bit sore the next day when you got to train yeah um and it, it's obviously a little bit quicker too because it's not taking a whole day you know, i've got two little kids and yeah i don't want to be away all day yeah making a whole day out of it um so what part what part of your game do you need to work on What's going to get you from yeah. 13 to, to 9 in terms of the technical part of the game what are you good yeah, at what ever since i done my back in 2000 and 14, I um, 2015, I um, I just don't, I don't swing as hard anymore. Mm-hmm. I lost all my back's probably just stiff, and my, my back's that stiff. It's just doesn't let me free, free. So I just, I just want to get in the middle of the fairway. If I can get in the fairway, then um, it gives me the best, best opportunity at the green and chipping putting. Good. <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but obviously I have a chip putter. And uh, the boys give it to me that, but they always say, you got too many clubs in the bag, but I don't have a four iron. So. We're not, not going to brush over that. I just <laughs> want to put this on the record. Chase Blair has a chipper. <laughs> they're, not, they're not legal, so. <laughs> Chase Blair has a chipper. I'll be interested to see how many times you get to use the chipper today because, it, to me, uh, the course here doesn't strike me as a place that um, 
suits having a chipper. There's that many undulations, but we could be wrong. So I'm looking forward to seeing you prove prove that. Um, uh, right. If I, if, I, if I shoot high 80s today, I'll be happy. Okay. That's, well, we might check back in at the end and see how you go. Mate, well, what um, – I've got a question for you. If you had to have a walkout song on the first tee here today, what would your walkout song be? Mm. Uh, I don't know, actually. Um, a little bit of a country man. Um, your haircut doesn't suggest country nah, man. No, yeah. Look like a bike here at the moment. <laughs> um, probably um, S&M by Rihanna. Okay. Yeah. It's got to be a come on in it, so it's like a come on. Okay. Well, uh, we, might put, we might use that music yeah. in the, uh, the theme tune for this podcast, mate. What else, mate? What else? So, you know, the golf in the UK, I don't know many of the golf courses around where you are going to be living, but like most parts of the UK, there are plenty uh, and there are some very good ones and there'll be plenty of public access course courses. I'm sure the, the, the Tigers will, you know, get you sorted out and you know, if the Tigers uh, listen to this um, is getting, getting to know you, just sort Blair out with <laughs> a golf course, a decent one with a cart and uh, maybe getting some coaching. If you want, you know, a happy centre, um, yeah. ripping them apart at week in, week out, make the man a happy golfer and I think everything will be okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'd say there would be heaps of golf courses everywhere. I'm not sure if they'll be really good ones or um, private ones, but um, any any chance to get out and have a hit, I'll I'll, I'll do that. Especially with um, people have said I'm timing it really. I'm right. Um, going coming into summer over there, and obviously it's not dark till 10:30, 11 o'clock at night. So I've actually got a mate that's at Wakefield, and he's mentioned that sometimes he puts his kids down at about 7:30, 8 o'clock, then goes out for nine holes. So. That, um, is, that is more normal than, than you think. And I've really only experienced one um, Scottish summer and it's a little bit further north, so the daylight's a little bit longer, but it really is, you know, daylight at 3.30 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. it's starting to get like daylight. And I guess you're a little bit more used to that from growing up in Queensland where it gets dark, uh, daylight very early. But nighttime, you know, 11 o'clock at night, you know, it's, it's dark and you've played, you know, 18 holes of golf mm. from 7 o'clock to and whizzed around it's it's phenomenal but um, you know like all good uh, things there's there's the flip side and you know come the winter it's minus, yeah, yeah, minus so 5 degrees some people say you can only play golf over the you know four months of the year so they have a season it's definitely a golf season so but, but it'll be fantastic over there and you know when I get across there I'll try and make it my uh thing to come and see you and maybe take up to Scotland for a game of golf maybe if that's possible yeah yeah hopefully um, we, we work something out yeah well mate all I can do is thank you for your time on the My Love of Golf podcast it's clear that when I first met you probably a couple of years ago that you were a very passionate golfer and uh, as a someone who plies his trade in the golf industry I always like to embrace the high performance uh, athletes that uh, love our game and try and help out wherever I can. I hope I have done that in some way, shape or form. And I'm glad that we get to um, have a game of golf today before you go, because we've talked about it a lot. <laughs> Haven't really done, at it, done it at all, but I'm, great, great, I'm happy that I get to show you my course today, mate, because it's uh, pretty special. And I hope you play well. Don't beat me. I hope I play well. I haven't <laughs> played well for a while. But uh, we're playing with a couple of good guys that I know, and it um, should be fun.
Yeah, mate, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Mate, best of luck. Castleford Tigers and uh, look out. The big man's coming. But more so look out to all the other teams in the English Super League because uh, um, I'm backing my man here to put a few points on the board for the for the Tigers. All right, go the Tigers. Yeah, thank you. I'll just give a quick shout-out to uh, anyone in Melbourne. Get down to Drum and Golf in the city and uh, mention my name for a cheap game of uh, golf. Thank you. We didn't. Uh, sorry, still recording. We didn't mention um, what what golf gear do you use, mate? Um, Puma, Puma Cobra. Um, they've uh, signed. I was for Nike as I first come down here, and they signed uh, signed Puma and met a bloke down there called Tim Wise, and he's looked after me ever since with with Cobra gear and sending me a lot of uh, Puma kit. So, so Puma boots. You wear Puma boots on the track. Yep, yep. And they look after their athletes pretty well down there at uh, Cobra Puma. So what are you repping today in terms of, uh, well, let's this talk about the fashions. This is all the, uh, the latest gear, um, just before the Masters. So Timmy actually gave me this a couple of days ago, but um, you got the got nice, a nice, nice shirt on. You've got the nice Primal Loft uh, jacket. Uh, yeah. You'll see Ricky Fowler wearing that as it gets a bit cooler. Yeah, over stuff. there. And um, got the, the grey shorts with the uh, sort of tribal surf print yeah. on there that Ricky Fowler. Shark, shark, shark mouth. Yeah. So. Uh, what have we got on the, on the feet? What are the kicks there, mate? Yeah, these are the new... I think these were the Ignites. So. Yeah. They're, they're Puma Ignites with power, the bowl. No, these Powers. Yeah, power. So. With the bowl lace system. Yep, easy. What clubs have we got? Uh, I just got the Cobras. Um, the Forged. Are you the Forged? Yeah, the Forged, yeah. Yep. Not the one length? No, no, no. So normally, no, no, no Dechambeau here, and no Dechambeau. What about the driver? Did I you, actually, um, nice Timmy actually gave me a nice present before I left uh, a couple of days ago, and he gave me the new F9. So looking forward to flogging that today, mate. Timmy Wise, friend of the podcast, nice little gift, mate. Um, I'll report back in how well it goes. Um, I'm expecting big things. The clubs are going with you, obviously. Um, we sorted you out with a travel case the other day to fit some gear and, and your clubs in. Yeah, they'll um, yeah they'll come over with me, and obviously I'm going over there to play football. But um, you know I like to in my spare time I like to have a game of golf. So yeah, they're, they're one of the first things packed. Does your relationship with Puma and Cobra, you know, will that transfer across to the UK? So that's still ongoing at the moment. Um, obviously Puma's really big in in Europe, in in England. Yep. So um, uh, I've spoken to them. They said it's a little bit of a yes or no answer, and if it's a no, they'll just look after me from over here. So right. Um, either way, I'll still be with Puma and uh, we'll keep that relationship ongoing. Yeah. All right, mate. Excellent. Thank you. Bye-bye.